Hi, this is Doug Bledgy. You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Around. We've made it all the way down to the show. This is the show. Oi. Where we talk about the tapes. Oh, we've got tapes from the past. So much past. Oh, it's like earlier than yesterday. Earlier than yesterday <laughs> and the day before. And we'll stop with these accents now. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> something, for, something for your real, right? Yeah, you know. We're all you guys out there in Edinburgh. We're, we're butchering your accents here in a basement in Bushwick. We are your purveyors of audio artifacts from the yesteryears, specifically that of cassette tapes, if you can help it. But if not, hey, we're always happy to take your creative ideas at lostandrewound at gmail.com. Yeah, if you do happen to have one of those old discs that was created by, I think, Thomas Edison, and they were made out of, like, wax, and you'd put it through a thing and it would spin, and there'd be a little spindle inside that would read the sound. If you have any of those... We also want that recording. Exactly. Or anything from the past. Those who are familiar with our archives know that we had a varying amount of submissions. So sincerely grateful to those who have submitted. And we are very excited for all the new submissions we have coming up. If you want to donate to Radio Free Brooklyn, by all means, that will help our cause greatly. RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge is the link to our Patreon page. Yes, that's right. This is, again, free-form radio, and it is commercial-free. 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 So I'm not telling you all about how great Snapple is right now and how delicious Subway sandwiches Dude, can I don't, be. I can't even remember the last time <laughs> I drank a Snapple. I'm just thinking of the, of the, the most product-placed products i could think of you know i'm always snapple is, is always it's, it, it's, a, it's a good one <laughs> i found out recently juice is just as bad as soda but anyway on another note if Re- you want to help us yeah. here at the station again you can donate that's again radiofreebrooklyn.com slash pledge or you can donate directly to our show radiofreebrooklyn.com slash l a don't you want to be a sponsor you know you want to for one dollar you could be giving us a little bit of love you know i'm telling you the more that you sponsor, the closer you're going to get to dunking. You're going to get those ups. Uh-huh. It's going to happen. Yes. You're going to feel the... You know, Correct. Feel, you're going to feel all inside. You're, you're ready to begin? Oh, I'm, I'm more than ready. Let's do it.
Ryan Parker is a jazz-influenced multi-instrumentalist, composer, and vocalist based out in Brooklyn. He can be seen locally around open mics and shows as far as Fort Greene, Park <laughs> Slope, Harlem, all, all around, all around this great place. Welcome, welcome, Ryan Parker. Very, yeah. cla- very, very classy individual, and very ev- talented and guy. And evidently my twin, according to Jimmy Jams here. They are yeah. very, very similar-looking people in the studio right We're now. both sporting yeah. wedding bands. We both have beards, yeah. and we both have the signs of a haircut that needs to be <laughs> yeah. uh, fixed. Cleaned up a little bit. Yep. Um, I, I wonder, what would be the best use of you guys being twins? <laughs> like, <laughs> could we go somewhere? Could we, could we like, pull I, pranks and I, stuff I, like actually, that? Actually, has anybody ever told you that you look like someone they know, and have you been like who who is this person i think i have to scout out my twin (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that's always a funny thing i think there's like a comedian that does a bit about that it's like hey i know somebody who looks a lot like you it's like yeah okay there's a lot of people walking around look like white guy with a beard you know (laughs) brooklyn it's brooklyn hipster yuppie like exactly i mean (laughs) the old doppelganger all us white folks look the same um did you ever have like a classic celebrity people would say you yes oh god yeah well bearded greg kinnear it depends on well and i'm a teacher too so you know like i get different generations referring me to different things one of my collaborators who we're gonna listen to later his mom used to call me sting all the time because she thought i, I can see like that sting i can see that uh and then i had my cousin who's like 10 years older than me she thought i looked like um what's his face oh my god he has the movie about the radio pirate radio um you're talking about christian slater christian slater I yeah, see I that. could see that. Yeah, I, I got the, I got the like Dracula receding hairline thing. <laughs> Perpetual. But do you have the, the Slater intensity? <laughs> the Slater intensity, bro. So you, you teach music now. How long have you been teaching music for? It's been my focus for about seven years, I think. It's been your focus for seven years, yeah. but you still get a chance to bring your guitar into radio shows all across Brooklyn. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I was always teaching a little bit, you know. I was a manny, a babysitter. Um, you would be. I Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I liked working with kids. My, I was one of those kids in class where the teacher would, like, assign me to other kids to help them. So I've always been doing that. My mother was a second grade teacher. My father was an art teacher at a high wow. school. Uh, my grandmother was a teacher. Uh, so education teacher. is in your blood. Kind of in the blood. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, but I only actually got certified to teach in public schools about six or seven years ago. Cool. And I was doing it in the schools for about four or five years. And for the past two years, I've just been doing my own business. Make more so, money that way, right? Nah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you got to build. You got to build the. You got to uh, build the, the client base, yeah. it, and it, and it can take a time, and and you can you can be stubborn and stupid about it, like some of us are <laughs> when uh, we first happens. start our businesses. But like I said, I have other things I can freelance and fall back on. I can make a little money performing. I can make a little money. Dog walking, babysitting, whatever. Dude, dog walking in Brooklyn is lucrativo. Yes, and if you love dogs like me, but you can't have one, it's kind well, of it's... perfect. Okay, there is something that clearly is not alike. We, 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 yeah, there is, there is a little bit of twins going on here, but not with the dog. There goes the difference. There, okay. Therein lies the difference. If you didn't know, Alan has how many pets? Let's not go there. <laughs> this, let, dude has, this dude has, runs the, you know, there, the, Brooklyn, a, the Brooklyn Zoo. The, the, it is the Brooklyn oh, Zoo. All right. All right. But I'm, I'm curious he's like, he's, he's ODB Wait, so you, of, of the North Slope. <laughs> <laughs> Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Shame on you. Wait. Shame. Uh, Ryan, then your yeah. landlord doesn't allow pets in your apartment. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. Bullshit. It's rough. Bullshit. I've so never, no, I've never I mean, I, I have two cats and occasional roaches and rats, but um, they don't count. The cats. Yeah. That's those are the cats' pets. Cats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I, see, I had a similar thing where uh, I couldn't have a dog growing. I always wanted a dog. I couldn't have a dog. 
I had one Russian landlord growing up. He was like, no dog. And I just didn't want to test that. Right. We have been in the same apartment for 10 years. That's a long time. Yeah. And uh, it was like one of the first places that we saw. Um, and and obviously we're happy with the landlord. The ha- landlord's happy with us. It's that one thing, the not having a dog is just like, okay, we'll deal. Because there's no way we could afford our neighborhood anymore <laughs> if it weren't for my gr- wonderful landlords. When did you move to Brooklyn? Uh, 2006? Yeah, 2006. Oh, okay. 2006. Yeah. It's around the same time as me. Where are you from originally? Boston. Uh, and outside Boston, yeah. Suburban Boston. Did you come to visit New York a lot when you were in your college days? Just yeah. to, uh, you know, play gigs? Absolutely. And, um, I actually have family in New York, like, going super far back. Supposedly I'm related to Walt Whitman. Um... And uh, (laughs) you you can't see it on the radio, but there was some nails being filed on the chest. (laughs) Real, real. I'm like, I'm like that old school Brooklyn. Like people talk about, you know, the old school. I go go, go back to the colonial days. My family been here. No question. Long before I gentrified this stuff. Straight out of Stuyvesant. Did did, did Whitman have any kids, though? No, he was super gay. He was gay. (laughs) I was thinking like Whitman was like, he was like the old classic gayest poet of Brooklyn. Yeah, sure. No, no um, but he, so he's like a, whatever, a cousin or a, or a great, 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 great uncle or something. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. Coffin family. His, that, his that's mother. The, that's the nature of New York, though. People being related to, to, to older people. Because people just come and they congregate here in New York City. Like, I, I knew a guy growing up that was related to Aaron Burr. Yeah, right. And now with, you know, Hamilton and stuff. Yeah. Even cool. more hated. <laughs> <laughs> when you first got to New York to play shows, what kind of setup was your music in? Was it a full band or was it mostly just you and a guitar? I, don't, I guess a mixture. You it, play a lot of instruments. That, yeah. let, let's just get that out of the way. Up top, I said multi-instrumentalist. Yeah, 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 in, not not to be vague about it, but you officially have talents in at least an entire band's worth of instruments yeah, on which, some Dave Grohl type shit. We'll, yeah, we'll hear that. We'll hear that. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, when you can't make friends and uh, and you just lock yourself alone in your basement, you can only play with yourself because you've alienated all the other musicians in your little town. So you learn how to play all the instruments so you don't have to actually deal with other people's egos. I hear you. See, that's the thing is that when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're that kind of person and you don't have any musical talent, then you just play with your skin flute. Uh, yeah, well, there's that. There's that. <laughs> so, like, bust out a tune. <laughs> did you have any siblings? Uh, I did. Do you have any siblings? Yes, I did. <laughs> they are not around anymore. No, yeah, that would be a very different well, story. Well, but did they play, well. but did they play music? Uh, yeah, you know, they would all say that they, none of them are musical or whatever but that's just because our culture is strange about arts and music my sister sings beautifully and her daughter is like three gosh i hope i have that right (laughs) (laughs) my my beautiful niece who i love so much is very young and um uh, two or three and she uh she's already singing pretty nicely for a little kid because my sister can sing very well and has a good ear and her husband who also would say he doesn't have any musical skills or whatever but he's got a good ear he loves radiohead and all sorts of good stuff what would you say is your favorite instrument to play or what instrument would you say are you best at oh that's a, that's been a hard question to answer since i was a teenager um the drums are the most fun i mean come on why i always see the smile on your face when you're playing drums yeah. I've, I've only witnessed him playing drums and guitar Okay. Yeah. But he seems like he's always like, he's just in his element when he's playing drums. I love playing the drums. I think it was also therapeutic for me. You know, obviously, I was playing in bands all throughout growing up. When we would rehearse and there would be downtime, uh, other guys might, you know, go 
play video games or we'd skateboard or play basketball or whatever you did. Uh, eventually, you know, I might smoke some weed or something. Uh, but I often, while they were off doing things, I would go to their instruments, you know. So I would be like practicing the drums when the drummer was eating lunch or something. So that was like sort of how it started happening. And then this this little weird, we had a boarded recording studio projects and in which I had to sort of step up to the plate. We, we had prepared material with the band, and then the band broke up right before we had the recording gig booked, and that happened twice, like two years in a row. So that's actually how I got better at the drums. But it was around the time, you know, angsty teenage years. It's good to have something to hit. Yeah, exactly. You know? Get those forearms going. Oh, it's so satisfying. I, you know he does the jazz drumming, but, man, if you'd done you know, death metal, he'd have them, du- them double basses. <laughs> There's something about it. It's so intense. Yeah. Oh yeah. The visceral feeling is is awesome. And there's that feeling of troops getting ready for battle. You know how they'd have. Well, the, sure. You know, and it keeps you keeps spirits up. That was also, I guess, around the time when I stopped playing organized sports. So that probably had something to do with it too. That sounds about right. Yeah. I chose like drumming and music as my after-school activity more than, than the sports, uh, they were start, sort of phasing out, even though I still love playing basketball. Sure. I, I mean, I started learning to play guitar pretty later on in middle school, and I could have continued doing it, but uh, I was too invested in acting and realized that I, I needed to make the, the call as to what I was going to focus more right, on. Right. And these fingers just weren't ready to be calloused ready <laughs> enough. That's okay. I had, I had, I had to uh, focus on theater. Sure. You know, um, I've been on a real Shakespeare kick lately. I don't know. I'm, I didn't get oh, a lot really? of sleep, so there might be a lot of wow. digressions here today. <laughs> well, no worries. We like to do the show on iambic pentameter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Perfect. One, one difference I find, I think, between people who choose the acting path and people who choose the music path, because it's, you know, it's coming from both sides of artistic and creative peoples, but I think there's an intrinsic difference between the two sides of it. And I think that musicians are sometimes more trying to express the, the inner emotions and trying to, like, Bring out what they have inside. Show what's inside because they have a lot and they're really deep. Actors are more trying to relate what's outside of them and internalize what's outside of them and then I can see that. Yeah. show yeah. it again. Personally, I've always loved music, but I didn't ever felt that I could write music something was about that didn't have the emotional fortitude to do it. Right. Brooks and Ryan and I had a band without a drummer called Blank Illusion. Illusion. It was like a band name that I created. We recorded two songs, one that I wrote, and then we did a cover of Under the Bridge by the Chili Peppers. Oh, nice. great nice. And Classic. And either of the two, either Ryan Reich or Brooks Rocco, who have been on the show before, may be able to provide us with that. If either of them haven't already burned that copy, very righteously so, I might say. But <laughs> say you know what I was going to say, actually, now that I think about it. Zach might have that recording of Bear Cavalry well, somewhere. Well, he, he better find you it. You want to know what's... But we, we have to do definitely do a section of it because it was a progressive uh, metal band. Yes. So the song we recorded was 30 minutes long. <laughs> of course. I, naturally. I, That's I, awesome. I, I, I love that epic stuff. I, I want to bring it back to Ryan Parker. It must have been quite a big deal for you to come from out of the basement and onto a stage, you being such a wizard with the uh, instrumentation. And then realizing that, oh, now i got to like perform in front of other people. So talking about what Jimmy was saying before, did you like performing? Or was it really more about being behind the sidelines with the music? That's a, Yeah, that's a, I think that's one I still struggle with. I, I think I'm more comfortable in the basement than I am on the stage. Although I can certainly, I've done it enough that I, I can fake and pretend to be very comfortable on stage. My mother always reminds me that I played at some like silly 
piano competition. By yeah. the way, music should never be competitive. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, that, well, that would mean that art so, shouldn't be competitive. Well, sure. Yeah, and that's like sort of my philosophy. It's and subjective. I, and I don't. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean it's whatever. It has its place. Anyways, um, but we don't need to get into my teaching philosophy. <laughs> but the point is, is uh, I was some I don't know like four or five. And uh, they paraded me out, and I had, like, a number on me or something. And uh, I played some classical piano, and it was, like, a room of, like, you know, a 1,000 people or something like that, or 3,000 people. It was a huge what? space. Yeah. Where was this? Uh, I don't know. I don't even remember. Was it in Boston? Or was... Yeah, I think it was in Boston. Crazy. I actually saw the footage I've of I've never recently. performed for that many people. Yeah. That's, that's I don't a... think I've performed for that many people since. Since your piano <laughs> recital when you were how old? That was, yeah, that was that was the highlight of my performing career, if you're looking numbers-wise, I guess. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine I was 16, too, so what's, what's the big deal? Yeah. yeah, no, I had pimples when I was doing it. <sighs> no, yeah, I was, I was probably like five or six. I don't that's know. crazy. Anyways, my grandmother was, like, terrified for me. She had stage fright and anxiety, which... It was kind of strange because she was a badass. Um, <laughs> she was like, how did you do that? And I was like, I like to play for the people. It's nice. The nice people. I like to play for they the people. They give me cookies. I play. So it's my good. mother reminds me that I that I get down on it and I'm like, I just want to help other people with their music. I don't want to work on my own stuff. I hate leading bands. There's a lot of aspects of it. I've gotten in my own way in like uh, making my music and promoting it. And yeah, discovering home recording and multi-track recording was like a revelation. There's a huge place for that. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. a great thing because and how many bands and how many musicians have the problem where everybody wants to be the front man. Everybody wants to be the main yeah. event. And yeah. it's like not only now, one person can be that. That was my problem, being involved in any music project. I was going to be the front man because I didn't play an instrument. Well, so. that was the same right. thing for me. I yeah. was the front man of my band. And the, right. the thing that was is that it was so short-lived, but they, they all collectively definitely did not want to be the front man. They were like, we don't want right. to be in the spotlight. Don't look at us. We just want to play. Yeah. And if we yeah. could not perform in front of people, it would be better. But we, we yeah. do want to at right. the same time. It's a, it's a weird thing. Yeah, that's a, I think it is common. It's yeah, I think common. even in comedy, that's yeah. a thing too. So yeah. There are a lot of people who want to be – the ancillary characters that want to be the bit players. Oh, yeah. You know, that say, I don't want to be the main character. I want to be a character actor. Honestly, I'll say <laughs> like this. I've had a, a thought in my mind of like, if I got, if I became successful, I was like, I might be happier as a character actor than right. as a main actor because there's just a lot of pressure to be so relatable and, and all these other like, things. You got to be in shape and you got to do all this stuff and you got to have the perfect teeth. And, you yeah. know, if you're a character actor, you can have some things that are problems there because you say, you know what? I'm okay with them writing for me or I'm, I'm okay with going along with the yeah. script yeah. and just doing it. Tacking on what you were saying before, how do you measure success? Oh, interesting. I guess I've always kind of said that just um, you're productive and that you like some of what you're doing and uh, that at least you have a little bit of interest and respect from some of your peers and colleagues. I've worked in projects where people are investing thousands of dollars in a band where like, it's a small business crunching all the numbers i've done plenty of pro bono projects that's probably the majority of it where it's just like a share you all everybody nobody's in it for the money but being able to manage that business side of things is uh is a different set of skills and it's not necessarily um in my wheelhouse (laughs) so i don't i don't really i've always kind of um enjoyed especially in the past 15 years or 10 years just letting someone else take the reins of leading the band i guess kind of thing and then i force some of my 
musical personality into it. You're in a band right now called Turnpike. Yes, I'm in an alt country band. I call it my dad band. This <laughs> <laughs> is very dad friendly, uh, and it's also the two of the guys in the band are dads. So he's with and, the Jeff uh, Yaz. Right? Jeff Yaz, yeah, and he's um, and the, some of the actually some of the lyrics and the framework is about like family and midlife crisis stuff and relationship stuff, and yeah, he's even written some songs about his kids and stuff. Anyways, it's like cute country stuff. Some of it's kind of dark too though and uh the great thing is that we have half of the band coming from sort of the country folk uh bluegrass side of the scene that they're, they're really into and they know very deeply and i don't know that stuff very well my dad does i don't know that scene very well so they're like educating me on that but then the the lead guitarist and uh myself come more from like a jazz like conservatory jazz and classical background the folk guys push us to be more bluegrassy and country and uh, like I said, we kind of force our more jazzy, experimental musical personalities into his songs and arrangements. And it's really fun. People have been, seem to be liking it. We don't have, we need to get on the recording thing. But we do play every month at Freddy's. The last Thursday of the month, the series is called The Open Hydrant. And uh, Jeff Yaz is the main uh, host, um, and I help him out as well. I hosted that uh, last night, actually. Nice. nice. That's uh, Freddie's back room, which is yeah. 17th Street and 5th Avenue, Park yeah. Slope, Brooklyn. Great space. Cool. Very nice. Cool place. Oh. Creepy, creepy videos. I love it. Super I creepy. If you like um, the weird vibe. If you there. like those videos that'll make your stomach crawl. Yeah. You know, you have your guitar uh, yeah. on you right now. I, I-, I want to make a note that nobody uh, but us in here in the studio can admire just what kind of setup we have going on at the moment. There is a large book of music. <laughs> Jimmy's taking a photo of it right now. It'll be up on the website. There's tapes upon tapes. There's a yeah. record. There's a CD. Oh, there's three records, yeah. Um, I guess what we'll do is let, <laughs> let's do this. Let's listen to what you got on the on the guitar right now, okay, and then after that we'll take a quick break and go and listen to some of these delicious, delicious sounds from, uh, delicious. from, from your archives. Um, is... Get is there any intro? Is there yes, exactly. Is there any intro uh, that we need for this song? That's pretty self-explanatory. I'm mostly an instrumentalist, and I like I like instrumental music for the most part, and that's what I like to study. And I like helping people arrange their songs. Um, but this is a song that I wrote. Here it goes. Lost and rewound. Still worth it 
goes through the windows. It's hard in here. Sounds from the street, singing breaks, screaming children as they play on the street, barking dogs, sounding car alarms, cutting through music. Lips meant to be danced to. I wish I'd recorded these sounds. I had chances to. I'm hearing it now, but I can't place your voice in this scene. Here on Lost and Rewound Radio Free Brooklyn. Ah, oh, very, very nice. We'll be back in a little bit, and we'll hear some more of older <laughs> tape. <laughs> By older, yeah. I mean I mean younger. Younger. Ryan. We will transition from <laughs> uh, Ryan's, uh, you know, the, the creme de la Ryan <laughs> <laughs> to the to the old time creme. Oh yeah, <laughs> Radio Free Brooklyn. involvement 
or this week's edition of Lost and Rewound is decidedly that of uh, ample variety considering just how much audio he has to offer. He's here with us in the studio and he has so much audio to the <laughs> point where I'm almost concerned why we didn't allow for more time to listen to the music. But that said, tapes. I'm looking right now. We were we were saying this before. Jimmy, how much do you count there? Like That's like eight, nine tapes right there? That's uh, 11. And if you count the ones 15. on the table, on 15 the table is 15. Tapes. Tapes and this tapes is what I'm tapes. saying, folks. Right. This is this is the creme de la creme, <laughs> as said before. So, Ryan, th- then I have to ask, <laughs> did you really enjoy using the tape media? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of our generation and uh, maybe a little before and a little after, and I think now there is a little resurgence of interest in cassettes. Um, well, there's the, that, the, the good feeling of when you push the button and it goes click. Yeah. That's why you do it. There's that. Um, you know, there's the, the fact that you have to, like, cue up the songs or that you have to listen to a whole A side or a whole B side. You don't like get to skip around. Uh, you kind of absorb an album the way you're supposed to, I guess. Um, for, well, but yeah, but so when I discovered that uh, even before I got little four track multi, you know, uh, yeah. overdubbing equipment, I, uh, you know, we, we used like tricks or like hooking cassettes up to other cassette, like a boom box up to a receiver thingy. And, um, and figuring out ways to basically do this, like have like a radio show kind of thing where we're talking, playing music in the background, yep. playing live. Yeah, it was just something we started doing with my friends. And we were really into comedy and like radio. And then, of course, we got really into lo-fi indie rock music and other things, do-it-yourself kind of music stuff. And it was all, you know, everybody was recording with cassettes. Whereas I was doing my who knows what Danziger Zone was, uh, <laughs> out in Boston, Ryan Parker and his friends were creating music on their cassette tapes. Yeah. And I, w- I want to shift that focus to this first tape that we're going to be hearing a clip <laughs> oh, from. <God. laughs> well, it is a live show. You were in sixth grade, so you were yeah. in a band. Oh, and yeah. uh, I didn't hear the whole thing, but just hearing the very little clip <laughs> of it, I'm already completely baffled uh, how the musicianship yeah, so sounds. Explain, explain to us. Yeah. I don't know what to say. What's I mean, the band's name? Preface. Preface. The band is called Falter. Falter. Uh, <laughs> which we then amended to be called Falter, parentheses, is a band. Um, because there was already another band named Falter? Uh, maybe. I don't even remember. <laughs> I think it, we just had, I don't know, like I said, we had goofy senses of humor. We liked, you know, Monty Python and strange things. I love the track and, listing. Uh, Dude, yeah, look at, I mean, this is... With I, marker, with, like, yeah. sharp, with, like, fine You've Sharpie. You've got, like, Sharpie and and and, uh, and fancy pens. Um, I even have notes in here. This is so embarrassing. No, 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 That's no. That's the no. whole point of give this it, show. Give it, give it. I want to um, see. I want to read. Oh, God. The liner notes? There's yeah, liner notes. There's, like, liner notes. <laughs> okay. It says, <laughs> no, this is great. This was live at the Longfellow. Tell us about the Longfellow. This was not, this was like a, a swim and tennis club, you know. Like, <laughs> I like, love it. Uh, this was like, I near, think. Near the Longfellow Bridge. I don't even remember. I know the bridge. No, no, we're not going there. We're not going there yet. <laughs> Ryan, continue. This is about me, man. This is about my life and no, my tapes. It's funny, though, because he brought up the Longfellow last time. You were, oh, okay. one, of the, one of the last times. I All did right. a documentary about the bridge. Oh, I can dig it. I can dig it. Anyway. So, anyways, this, it was just this. It's you a know, gig I, there. As it's not a gig. It was a it was party. A party. Yeah. Gig, in parentheses, party. Yeah. It June 26, 1994. Some, I, I'm sure somebody's parents uh, maybe, like, owned the place or something or, like, played a part in managing it. And I think they, like, took over this women's tennis club for a day 
and like had a whole bunch of middle schoolers running wild. I don't know why they would want to do that, but they were cool parents. You know, they were good good people, and they let us set up in this huge open gym space and made a makeshift stage. And uh, yeah, so we were rocking out inside, and kids would like filter in and out. We played for like stupidly long time you have liner notes for each song you <laughs> have a comment that. Oh I, I, no i won't i won't but i it does said read, it, read it, some of the classics oh uh, i only need to read the last thing on this at the very very bottom <laughs> it says thanks to uh tim wright for singing backing vocals and being the coolest guy i've ever met okay. and our families for being our roadies yes and for letting yeah. us that was in caps and yeah. for letting us practice in their houses yeah uh put together by ryan smiley face Songs with backing vocals, Tim Wright. Best part, if you hear the crowd screaming, dot, 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 you're, spelled Y-O-U-R, <laughs> listening to the wrong tape. <laughs> oh, man. Let's take a listen to, what's the, what's, the, what's the song you're listening to? Oh, I think this is one of the first songs I wrote on the guitar after, yeah, picking up the guitar. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll find out? Yeah, I'll have to, I, I gotta play it and then I'll remember. Let's take a listen.
prepubescent angst. It's <laughs> strong with this one. Sixth grade, <laughs> but that's sixth grade, and like that—that—that's that, on par with a lot of high school bands. I mean, in terms of just like the way it sounds, sure. The, the, the yeah, recording quality sure. is just pure, unadulterated <laughs> '90s. Yeah. It definitely sounds like a like a dem- like a what's it called a yeah. bootleg recording, bootleg recording Grun- from then, grungy yeah. demo. Oh, totally. I mean, we were all about Nirvana and Sonic Youth and Dinosaur Jr. and. Uh, yeah, you can hear it. That's one of the, like I said, that's one of the first songs I ever wrote. And uh, Jimmy and I were joking about how jaded and uh, it's called Left Me. Left Me Again. And, like like I had been dumped and left by so many girls by the time I was 12. Like, what? You're like a already writing Woe Is Me songs. At 12. Well, you were wow. learning from the best musicians wow. around. Who, that's all the best, best songs. Yeah, most of this music is either, yeah. it's either Woe Is Me, it's Unrequited Love, or you know Celebrations of Love. While we were listening to this song, you made a rather pointed commentary about the fact that the song didn't actually oh, show up yes. in the liner notes. Right. So it's funny to me. I don't so know. actually, I as funny. you know, it's it is. I as you were looking at this, I realized that the this photocopied, awful quality, handwritten insert was made because some of our you know some of our friends had, who who were there were like, oh, you recorded that. You should. I want to. Rec- I want that recording. That was awesome. We rocked out. We moshed, man. And we were like, <laughs> um, totally okay, but bad. we played like 25, 30 songs or something. And uh, so we cut it down to a lean, mean 15 mixture of co- covers and originals. And But that song that we just played didn't actually make the cut. That's so funny. <laughs> that strictly was, strictly that Ryan, Ryan Parker, 12-year-old B-side. That was the B-side, yeah. That's, that's, not, that's not even the best. Of... It's not, it's not even, we're not even talking about the best of Parker right now. No. This is the worst of Parker. In fact, in fact we could, yeah, we could spend a lot of time just doing the worst stuff because that might be more fun. I mean, what's, what's the tagline of this show again? Get embarrassed with me? Yes. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, uh, we're, we're all imperfect. Uh, it, it shouldn't have to be beat upon the head that we definitely have modest beginnings, especially when we're musicians. And I don't know why I'm saying we. I, I'm not a musician. <laughs> I, I've had certainly modest beginnings as a writer, for sure. I would have no problem bringing my old poems in here. Last week, we were chatting with Joy and friends about some journal entries that both Joy and I wrote and never a dull moment in our past when we are coming up with stuff that reflects who we were and that's the whole point yeah i'm uh, not to be self-aggrandizing but you know there's definitely a connect the dots mentality I mean, the fact that you're writing about anything that doesn't involve girls is impressive to me i was also saying when we were listening to, it to jimmy that now i hear this stuff and i hear it as like a teacher and i'm thinking like wow this this tw- these 12 year old kids are, are pretty good they got some of their stuff together i, I know what i would what kind of stuff I would make them work on and the criticisms I would give them. And I like to laugh at it because it's freaking funny. I like, um, how, uh, I like how Alon says that we, we all came from humble beginnings, but um, <laughs> I'm in humble. I'm in humbleness right now. We're all we're, <laughs> we may be on the radio, but I'm, this, feeling, yeah. but I'm in the basement. I'm pretty, I'm pretty modest. You know, <laughs> I never wanted to be a rock star. I'm not necessarily sure. a modest mouse, but I'm definitely like a <laughs> modest vermin. Yeah. So anyway, so that was sixth grade, Ryan. And then we're going to listen to the, what is this, the Falter demo? This yeah. is the Falter demo. How many tracks are on this? Three, it's a three-song demo. Three-song this demo. Was, this was the actual recording studio. Um, and they had like a little deal where they had their young like intern uh, recording local bands on the cheap. And uh, so we went in there and recorded three songs. And it was pretty silly, but it was pretty exciting, too. For Why was it kids. silly? Uh, you had recorded in a studio before, or was it your first time? It was one of the first times, I would say. How was that experience? 
recording in the studio for the first time? Um, Daunting? Mm, I don't know. We were, you know, we were, we were kids. Like, we thought we were invincible. We thought what we were doing was cool. But we also had a sense of humor about it. Like, the songs, I mean, if you look at the, some of the stuff. Redshift? Turbo Super Song um, 82 Champion Edition. That sounds like a video game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which is super dope. Super say, dope. Again. Okay. Tur- say it again. Tuper, tu- tur- Turbo, super, Turbo song. super Song 82. 80. And then Roman numeral 2. Yep. Champion Edition. <laughs> Champion Edition. And the lyrics, the re- there's lyrics for that one. I like your leather. I wish you'd wear it every day. We're going to rock your ass. That's it. That's the, whole, <laughs> that's the whole song. And then there's a song called The Love Boat. Yeah. <laughs> Which track are we listening to right now? Well, we're going to listen to the actual sort of serious one, uh, the first tune, Redshift. You double dipped. You double dipped in my salsa. <laughs>
my goodness. Eighth Ooh. grade rock and roll. Dude, that's freaking polished. Yeah, I was just thinking this the the leap from I know the other one was live recording this was studio, but right. but just the leap from one year to another. It was night and day. We yeah, we, we were I would have been bowing down to you when I was that age. Well, and you did say some of this sounds like it, it could be like high school band and we were people were pretty you, impressed. Did, you we did win a battle of the bands, I hope. It, uh it we actually we refused to do that. Um again, back to the whole yeah, music shouldn't be a competition. Isn't a competition. We weren't into that. We were just like, no, we're gonna do it our way. We're gonna do it. Yeah. You know, if people like us, they like us. If they don't, they don't. Humanity is already. We were more of that, uh-huh. like indie punk DIY. Like, we have our style, and we don't really care if people like it or not. <laughs> Amen. For yeah. better or for worse. But anyways, yeah, it was no, good. But was we were good. pretty. We were we were, really we were pretty rocking for little kids. Um, and yeah, so we would actually, as middle schoolers, we started playing at like high school parties. With high school bands. Nice. Getting the uh, high school chicks in middle school? Yeah, baby. <laughs> you know it. Yeah, actually, that's She could uh, drive a car. Funny. We, um, that's how we, I think the band broke up, was over the freaking high school girl. damn it. Well, I was going to say, can, can you name a band that broke up? It Not if, okay, if it wasn't for a woman, and it wasn't for the guy that wanted to be a front man that wasn't the front man. Religion. Yeah, right. Uh, a cult. What, what cult. Ba- what bands cult. Were, what Dude, bands? <laughs> can we please think about Fleetwood Mac in this the situation? I mean, come on. Pink Floyd, Fleetwood Mac. Like, yeah. they, bands don't break up, but what ends up happening is, is that the bands sort of go off the rails because a band member will see a light, and that's all it takes. Oof. Yeah, well, I mean, this is something that I've always thought about similarly. Again, I don't, know, I don't think I've mentioned this before on the air. Just this idea that when you're a musician... Um, you know, you may have written your best music 20 years ago, and you will get famous off that album. And then you'll go to shows, and everyone will be like, play the old stuff, play the ah, hits, play the see, hits. But it's like playing competition with yourself. Yes, exactly. And, you know, you may get really tired of playing that stuff, which I've seen. You've seen that so many musicians like, I hate that song. I played it a thousand times. Yeah. But yeah. for comedy, that's not the case. Comedians just get better. And yeah. there's very few instances where you have a comic like George Carlin or someone where they have a bit that's so famous, but still people aren't coming and clamoring for the old right. material. Yeah. They'll come and put on the old album, yeah. but they're never going to ask you to say the new stuff. Yeah, your, and your delivery is only going to get better. Now, I can say that as a musician, chances are your musicianship's going to get better. Hopefully. But writing a great song is um, serendipitous. It's not necessarily just, it doesn't just happen because you're a great musician. Right. You know? And as a great comedian, chances are you should be able to write a good joke. Yeah. You got to work at it. It's a process. We were talking about the liner notes for this demo that we just heard. Uh, I thought it was really funny <laughs> that you had said how he plays guitar and Ryan plays guitar, the big one on Super Song 80. But even better, please write to us at. And then you listed three different addresses, yes. of which clearly were the members of the band. Yeah. But it's the subjects, it's the, the address to Falter. Parentheses is a band, and then Falter just playing Howie between both you and I guess yeah. the, uh, the, the bassist. Other, yeah. The bassist, and then the drummer's address is <laughs> Kill Drummers Society. Yeah. <laughs> what? So it was it was just like a running joke. Uh, what do you call the guy that hangs out with the musicians? The drummer. Ah, there's so many like drummer jokes. It's like you know, I don't know like, why it's so good. how do you get a guitarist to shut up and stop noodling around? Puts sheet music in front of him. We had these running jokes. Brian was was a, had a good sense of humor, and he would also be like self-deprecating, be like, "I'm just a drummer. Like, come on, you know." 
guys. It's not like I need to show up to rehearsal. I'm just I'm the keeping drummer. The, I'm keeping the beat. Yeah. Yeah, and it. so like we had this running gag that, that he was a drummer that hated being a drummer. So uh, so the Kill Drummer Society, he was he was the, the captain and the, the president of that fan club. I want <laughs> drumming vocalists to come back. I'm working on it, buddy. Just, yeah, man. <laughs> Which brings <laughs> us to our next clip that we have from yeah. you. Yeah. And when was it recorded? This band was prepared to record again in like ninth grade or whatever, or at the end of eighth grade. Okay, so um, middle, this this managed to go throughout all of middle middle school. school, right? So, but right before we were supposed to record a full album, and we had like two albums worth of material, and we had been rehearsing it, and we had these songs, and we got way better. Um, <laughs> and then we broke up like a month or two before we were supposed to go into the studio in Pennsylvania. The bassist and I were like okay, I guess it's just going to be me and you. And rather than, like, butcher the Falter songs, let's just mess around and have fun. And so we recorded an EP of songs that we wrote in the studio, in the car on the way to Pennsylvania. The absurdity comes to a whole other level, which was already present as part of our Falter stuff. But Falter started to get, like, serious and artsy, hardcore-y and progressive rocky. Uh, and this was Hucardio Fnooks which is a line from a Dr. Seuss story, little little known one called The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. And he's talking about the, the big annoying instrument that makes lots of noises and everybody's riding on it or something. It's like a bike or something. Anyway, you, you notice that there's no, there's no Grinch that cares about Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. You can keep your shit out. Yeah, so anyways, so that that was the <laughs> clever name we came up with, Hucardio Fnooks. And, uh, and it has uh, some irreverence to it. So I think I have queued up one of the three songs we recorded on a Star Wars theme, which I thought Jimmy might appreciate. For sure. Um, this is sort of our <gasps> faux punk song. And play it and we'll And, talk and about you're it. playing how many instruments here? So with this one, I think I'm playing guitars and drums and I think we're both singing. And this was recorded in what year? It was either uh, eighth grade or ninth grade. So this would be 1995, four... It's amazing. Let's give it a hear, yeah? Yeah, play All that right. funky music. Yes. Right, boy, you will. I'm ready.
the force with you on that one? Yeah, that was <laughs> our, our punk rock parody of John Wayne and joining the Star Wars universe for some reason. John Wayne in space. Yeah, like I think we had just seen Westworld, which I don't know spoilers. I've not seen the show yet. Oh, but, but we watch, saw the ori- we watched dude, the original. The original movie. is really so weird and cheesy. Weird. Yeah, and I love um whatever like Yul Brenner. I love Yul Brenner. Brenner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were into like Manor Astroman and Mystery Science Theater and all this kind of like yeah. B movie sci fi horror. Stuff, but we were also, you know, we liked Star Wars, like any uh, red-blooded young boy, and maybe a little bit of, you know, John Wayne, like country stuff. Like I said, this was all recorded and written in like a few days, um, so we were just having fun with it. So that's kind of like a parody of the punk bands we were listening to at the time: Queer Screeching Weasel, Oh Sh- Showcase Showdown, one of the best punk bands in Boston at the time. So you were into a lot of punk, and you were yeah. all about going to the punk shows back yeah. then. Yeah, and and that was sort of like the aesthetic in the community that I really loved, and it's sort of what's brought me back to like the open mic scene, which I for a time I didn't, I wasn't really into, but. I love that kind of sense of community and DIY and people helping each other out. Again, music not as competition, but like a community of musicians and songwriters like helping each other promote their stuff, booking shows together. That, I loved the sense of community and help that everybody, I mean, everybody had a fanzine that they would review your tape in. Somebody would do artwork for you and you just like barter and trade skills and things. I loved that about the punk and hardcore scene. But we also had, again, we had to have a little tongue-in-cheek uh, foam with it. So the, the way to yeah, be. Yeah. The way to be. Uh, we got another one, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's, throw, let's throw it on. This is more of you playing all instruments. In fact, you are legitimately the only the person playing. Band. yeah. <laughs> now, Several Ryans. <laughs> what inspired you to write the song that we were about to listen to? Oh, good Lord, I have no idea. This is when I was starting to get, like, abstract and artsy. This is kind of going to come out of the blue. Like I said, I was into a lot of, the, like, the artsy, hardcore scene. Um, Rodan, Juno 44, Crown Hate Ruin. Bands that were mixing progressive rock and art rock and hardcore uh, in interesting ways to us. So you can hear me embracing dissonance and odd meters and other strange things. What's the name of the song? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, because it's, it's called Untitled. <laughs> and we present to you Untitled. <laughs>
Holy shit, dude. You, Rock and roll. You are a fucking powerhouse. You are a tour de force. <laughs> or at least you, you continue to be a tour de force. Yeah, I try. Uh, I had a good friend from that era, and we were in our 20s and watching like an old video of us rocking out in middle school, and he was like, you realize this was like the highlight of your life. <laughs> he was like, everything since then has been downhill. <laughs> it's the nature of it. It's the nature of it, man. But, it, I mean, you know, it, it's, which... <laughs> was hilarious it's this is truly remarkable and i'm really glad that jimmy reached out to you to come out and being on the show our uh, gratitude to you ryan parker for bringing tapes live in the studio to play yeah. honestly like a lot of the times we like to kind of be prepared for shows like this but i am grateful that i get to be surprised along with jimmy here with so much amazing tape that we have in front of us and hopefully you'll be able to come back on to sure, play even more have me yeah well, there's certainly more where this came from, so oh, I'm always yeah. excited. You got uh, you got anything coming up? I will just that. So the, the uh, turn, Turnpike is is uh, the Open Hydrant is the name. It's called a monthly music series, the Open Hydrant, and that's uh, last Thursday of the month at Freddie's Bar and Back Room, 17th and Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn. I co-host that, and um, Turnpike plays every month. That's basically it. I don't like to promote everything I do. I do too much. Where can people <laughs> find you on the website or social media? Oh, yeah. They could turnpike.band, paradegroundsmusic.com. That was a rock band that my buddies were in that I was in for a while. Soundcloud.com slash rhinoceri. That's cool. Rhinoceri as in the plural for rhinoceros, where you could hear that another version of the song I performed today. And then if you want to take some music lessons or pick my brain about music, uh, ryanparkermusicteacher.com. The website's down right now, but it's going to be up and better in a moment. Ryan Parker on Lost and Rewound. Thanks so much for being here, man. Thank you guys for for having me. And thank you to all our listeners, or listener, whoever (laughs) you may be. Hi, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) We're all over the place on your internet, uh, SoundCloud, uh, AudioBoom, iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Lost and Rewound everywhere. Every Thursday at 3 p.m. right here on Radio Free Brooklyn, you can send your submissions to Lost and Rewound at gmail.com. We invite you to come get embarrassed with us next week. Take care. Baby. Oh, that's what I tell all the ladies. Oh, <laughs> pick up yeah. them vibrations, baby.